you know, this last several weeks, we've been talking about this spiritual warfare that we're in, right? Um, that we're fighting this war on, on three different fronts. You know, we're, we're fighting the world, you know, this, this system that is opposing God and its truth. We're, we're fighting our own sinful nature, right? right? Our old sinful nature that we've been freed from, but as long as we're in these bodies, we've got that old sinful nature that we're fighting with, and then we're fighting also with Satan and his demons as, as they actively oppose God here on earth and are enticing us and trying to get us to, to, to move away from God and not pursue God ourselves. And, you know, we finally come to the, the point in our, in our message series where we're talking about how we fight in this war. You know, we've talked about little bits and, and pieces of it throughout these different messages, but today we're talking about how we fight in this war, and, you know, the, the truth about this war is that the, the, the things that we are fighting in this war are bigger than us, are more powerful than us. But, you know, uh, the Apostle Paul, uh, knowing this, has, has a message for us. And he tells us, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. You see, we don't fight this war on our own. Not at all. We're supposed to be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. And as, as the Apostle Paul continues on in this, in this passage, he, today he, he begins to tell us about how we're fighting this war. And it may not be what you think. You know, we're talking about the, the spiritual armor of God and, and talking about how we wear this armor and, and what it actually means. And I hope as we kind of go through this, because we're going to be going through, you know, a, a bunch of these different pieces of armor. And I, I hope that you kind of spend some time afterwards thinking through how you're putting on this armor. Are you wearing this armor? Are you wearing the full armor of God? You know, after uh, telling us to be strong in the mighty power of, of God, um, the Apostle Paul goes on in verse 11, and, and this is what he tells us. He says, put on all God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing. You know, armor has played a critical role in battles throughout all of human history. And the Apostle Paul understood the, the reality of this, even in this spiritual battle, the spiritual warfare that we're facing today. And he knows that if we go into this war unprotected, it's going to mess us up, right? I mean, it is, it's going to tear us up. And this is why he says, put on the armor of God, because when we're wearing God's armor, 
We stand against the, we're able to stand against the strategies of the devil. We are able to resist the enemy in time of evil. And after the battle, he says that we will still be standing. And so, continuing in this passage, he, he begins to lay out what this armor is that we're supposed to be wearing. And he starts it in verse 14. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. For shoes put on the shoes, put on the sh- for shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news, so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation. Put on salvation as your helmet and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, if you'll notice, Paul has kind of split this armor into kind of two sections. The first three elements of this armor, Paul is actually encouraging us to wear these things every day. That that when we go out, when we should always have these pieces of armor on. And then the last three are the pieces of armor that that Paul encourages us to pick up when we're in that that warfare, when we're in that battle. And so we'll start with, um, just as Paul has laid them out here, we'll start with the belt of truth. The belt of truth. You know, Roman soldiers um, wore their belts not only uh, in the battlefield, but, but in everyday life. Right? Their, their belts were, were what would hold up their sword. That would, they would use it for their sword and their other little weapons, maybe their, their dagger or whatnot. They would also use their, their belt as, as something that they could tuck in their garments with. Right? The, the garments that might be hanging a little low, and they would tuck it into their belt to give them a little bit of more mobility when they needed it, especially in a, in a fight. But, you know, the, the belt of the, the Roman soldier wasn't plain either. They actually kind of adorned their belt with pieces of metal inlay and different kinds of ornamentation and, and leather straps that kind of fell below the belt. And not only did they dress things up, it wasn't really necessarily a fashion statement, but what it did is, in some cases, indicated their kind of their stature or their ranking in the military. And you know, I think the reason why Paul kind of used this analogy of this Roman belt is, is because I, I believe that the, the image of the Roman soldier kind of became known for something. When you saw that, that Roman soldier walking down the street wearing his belt with his, his sword hanging off his side, it came to represent the power of the Roman Empire. And then as you, you looked at him and you looked at that belt and you saw how, how much care he took in that belt and how he decorated that belt with different pieces of metal and inlay and those types of things, you really, you, 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 got, uh, you saw kind of the resolve and the readiness of this soldier to defend that empire. You see, and I think that this is why, like a soldier... 
Paul is telling us to put on this belt. Because this, this belt represents God's truth and the power of God's truth. And not only does it represent the, the power of God's truth, but it also represents our readiness and desire to pursue it, to pursue God's truth. We kind of get a, a little glimpse of this, um, this power of God's truth in John chapter 8, verse 31. He says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, you are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. You see, the, the power of God's truth is, is freedom and salvation. You see, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ, we're, we're freed from our sinful nature, forgiven of our sins and and. and the, the chains that we once were, were changed to this old nature that, that opposes God, now we're free. Free to live a life in relationship with God. You see, it's interesting that God's truth sets us free, and we're fighting against an enemy who was called the, the father of lies, Satan. And day in and day out, Satan is continually trying to convince us that these things that God has promised us, this freedom that God has promised us can be found in, in many other places, can be found in somewhere else. You see, I think that's why it speaks to the importance of, of not only representing the, the God's truth, but our resolve in pursuing that truth. You see, if we're not pursuing that truth, if we're not pursuing God's truth, the truth that this belt represents, we're not going to be ready for the war. We're not going to be ready for the battle. You see, in pursuing God's truth is, is really is pursuing God. Right? It's, it's reading the Bible. The Bible is what God has given us to discover who He is, to discover His truth. And if we don't have a resolve, if we're not putting on that belt of truth, pursuing God's truth, we're not ready for the war. After the belt of truth, Paul goes on and talks about the, the body armor of God's righteousness. You see, body armor today is, is made up of, of Kevlar and different kind of specialty ceramics that really is designed to, you know, to resist slashing from weapons and shrapnel and, and even bullets. You know, the, the body armor or what would have been called the, the breastplate for the Roman soldier was pounded out of metal into the shape of a man's chest. And then it was tied to another piece of metal that was pounded out and, and covered his back. You see, the, the intent behind the breastplate or the body armor was to protect the vital organs 
of the soldier, the organs the soldier couldn't do without, the heart, the lungs, the, the many different organs in the abdomen. Paul is saying that the armor that we wear that protects our vital organs is righteousness. Now, Paul is not talking about the righteousness that, that we receive when we put our trust in Jesus, right? We, when we put our trust in Jesus for the forgiveness of our sins, we're made right with God. We're made righteous. He looks at us, and in his eyes, we are righteous. Paul's not talking about that righteousness. The righteousness that Paul is talking about is, is us living righteously, us choosing to live righteous lives. Look what it says in Matthew 6, It says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything that you need. You know, it's important to understand that Paul's not talking about earning your salvation. Again, it's, it's assumed that you have already received that free gift of salvation by putting your trust in Jesus. What he's talking about is, is the fact that, again, we've, we've put on that belt of truth, right? Representing the power of God's truth, the, the freedom and salvation that is found in God, but it also represents our resolve of pursuing that truth, right? And so the, the breastplate of righteousness is us applying God's truth to the way we live and think. Applying God's truth to our life. See, at Alpine, we call this living in a way to honor God. Now, it doesn't mean that we're perfect. It doesn't mean we do everything right. But what it does mean is that we're pursuing God. That we're, that we're discovering the truth of God and working at applying it to our lives, growing in our understanding of God's truth and growing in our relationship with God. You see, if we're not growing in our relationship with God, if we're not growing in our understanding of God's truth, we're leaving ourselves open for attack. You see, in those, those times, those period in our lives, and we all have them. I'm convinced we all have them, those times where life gets busy, where we, we face those difficult moments and, and our pursuit of God kind of gets put on the back burner, right? Our, our reading of, of God's Word, our, our prayer life, talking with God, communicating with God kind of slips on the back burner because we're just trying to make it. We're too busy with work. We're trying to make it day by day. You see, on, on days like this, these periods of times in our lives, we're not putting on, we're not protecting our vital organs. We're leaving ourselves accept, susceptible and open to the attacks of Satan. But applying God's truth to our life day by day, instilling those habits in our life of being in God's word and fellowshipping with other believers and, and, and talking with God daily protects us. That is our body armor. 
next. Paul tells us to put on the shoes of peace that come from the good news. You see, healthy feet were important for soldiers, right? I mean, the Roman army was well known for the distances that they would march for war. And it was important that by the time that army got to where the battle was going to be, that they would be in, in shape, that they would be prepared to fight. You know, have you, have you ever, um, like, tried walking on, uh, with socks on, like, a, a newly polished hardwood, hardwood or hard surface floor? You See, we've got a, kind of this faux concrete in our entry and, and off to the side, we've got some, uh, some guardrails, you know, for the stairway that goes down. And every now and then, we'll, we'll dust that guardrail, and we'll use the, the kind of the, you know, the dusting spray stuff, pledge or whatever it is, that we'll spray and, and wipe everything down, make it look nice. And, and inevitably, we always get overspray, right? We're always, that spray is always landing on the floor, and you don't ever think anything of it. You just wipe it off and... It, the floor just looks shinier, right? It, everybody thinks you went the extra mile, right, on the chores. And you don't think anything of it until you're walking by there in your sock feet, right? And, and, and your feet basically go out from under you and you end up on your backside. See, that was the last thing, the last place that a soldier wanted to be is on his backside in the middle of a war. You know, the Roman soldiers would, would actually... Put, uh, put iron uh, nails through their sandals, mainly the foot soldiers, put iron nails through their sandals that would come out the bottom of their sandals like a cleat so that when they were in the middle of a battle, when they were in war, they had a firm foundation. They wouldn't be worried about losing their footing. You see, and Paul wants us, us to understand that we need a firm foundation. We need not be worried about losing our footing. We need a strong and reliable footing. And Paul is telling us that for us, that is the peace that comes from the good news. Well, what is the good news? The, the good news is, is that Jesus gave his life for us. The good news is that Jesus paid the penalty for sin, and when we put our trust in him, we're forgiven of our sins, and we have a relationship with God. We're transformed from the inside out. We're made new, born again. You know, on several occasions, Jesus tried to explain to his disciples what he was getting ready to do. He tried to explain to them that he was leaving them, that he was going to give his life for the forgiveness of sins for all who would believe. And a lot of times his disciples couldn't really connect the dots sometimes. You know, one of these occasions is found in John 14. And he says this, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give you is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. In another occasion, Jesus tells this to his disciples, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. That you may have peace in me. 
Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. Here on earth you will be at war. But take heart because I have overcome the world. You see, our strong, reliable footing in the spiritual warfare that we face every day is the peace of mind and heart that we are children of God. When you put your trust in Jesus, you are a child of God. And Jesus has told us that he's already won. He's already defeated sin and death. So we have no fear of, of being afraid of firm foundation. So let's be courageous because we, we can't lose. The battle's been won. Do you, do you ever wonder why sometimes it can be so uh, worrisome for us to, to wear our faith on our sleeve? And I'm not talking about being annoying and Bible thumping and all that stuff, but, but, but why are we so timid sometimes about sharing our faith? Are we worried that we're not going to get the reaction that we want? Fearing what, what might be lost, being worried about the outcomes. Instead of worrying about all that stuff, we should just be willing to, to share it, wear it on our sleeve, and let God win. He's already said he's won. So we've got the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of peace from the gospel, from the good news. So these are the things that Paul is telling us that we should always have on. And now Paul goes on and he says, pick up these things. Now, you've got that on. That's what you start with. That's what you wear. Now pick these things up. And he starts talking about the shield of faith. See, the, the shield Paul actually refers to in this passage is, uh, is you know, Romans had, had several different kinds of shields, and over time, you know, shields obviously change. The shield Paul is talking about is a rather large shield. It's, it's a shield that can almost protect your entire body. It's a, a shield that's big enough that you can get your entire body behind. Now, these shields were made out of wood and covered in leather and, and also covered in, in parts of them with, with metal. And it's said that the Roman soldiers would actually soak these shields or coat them before the battle. And the reason that they would do this is because they were worried about fiery arrows, right? Fiery arrows. And if this this shield was saturated, if it was coated with stuff, it would extinguish those fiery arrows. Because you see, here's the problem with fiery arrows. The, the shield had no problem with just regular arrows, right? Just by itself. But the thing about fiery arrows is, is that they don't, you don't need a direct hit, right? All a fiery arrow has to do is run past you, hit a limb, Hit something on the side and just transfer that fire to you. You see, here's the, the problem for us 
in our spiritual war is that Satan is shooting fiery arrows of temptation at us every single day enticing our old sinful nature, that that sinful nature that we've been freed from, but Satan knows it's still there, and, and he's enticing our old sinful nature with these fiery arrows of temptation, tempting us to be lustful, to be greedy, to be gluttonous, to, to be prideful, selfish, to envy I mean, think about it. When we give in to temptation, right, when we give ourselves over to temptation, what are we doing? What are we doing? We're basically saying that we don't believe God. I mean, think about Adam and Eve, right? The, the first people to sin and, and that nature that we inherited from them. You see, when they were in the garden, when, when Satan was tempting them, what was he tempting them to do? He was tempting them not to believe God. And when they chose to follow that temptation, when they chose to rebel against God, they made a decision that either Satan or themselves knew better than God. Satan had convinced them that God was holding something back from them. Satan had convinced them that, that, that maybe God wasn't as good as he said he is. Maybe God is, is holding things back that, that you deserve. You see, we're being enticed day in and day out to believe that everything that God has promised us, fulfillment, pleasure, joy, peace, or even our own personal value, that, that all these things can be found apart from God. And Paul is saying when these fiery arrows come, when these fiery arrows of temptation come, hold up the shield of faith. Believe God. Believe in His promises. You know, the, the thing about these shields with the Romans is, is that these shields, they were good by themselves. But could you imagine the, 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 the protection that could be achieved when these shields were linked side by side? A wall of defense could be set up to defend against these fiery arrows. And I think we can do the same, you know. We, we, we have fellowship with other believers where we can encourage one another. We can look at the Word and, and see how God has moved in the lives of the believers that have come before us and how He has kept His promises. We hold up the shield of faith, believing God. Look what it says in Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We can find encouragement in one another as we hold our shields up together. The next piece of equipment that Paul goes to is the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. Now, I think, you know, 
nobody would question the, the, the importance of our head, right? And, and potentially how sensitive it is, especially with all the things we've discovered with concussions and different things. I mean, when, when I was a child, I, I don't ever even remember helmets being something brought up to wear when I was riding bikes or running on half pipes or any of that stuff. But nowadays, it's, you know, it, I mean, you'll have people turning you in if you send your kids out without a helmet, right? You know, it's funny, the Apostle Paul made a, a, an interesting observation, right? And, and he makes this observation based, in, and, and I think it ties into this helmet of salvation under the idea that when we wear the helmet of salvation, there is no fatal blow. In this spiritual warfare, when we wear the helmet of salvation, there is no fatal blow. You see, Paul understood that, that, that he was struggling with something in himself, that he was struggling with his own sinful nature. He said this in Romans 7, he said, I don't really understand myself, for I want to do what is right, but I don't do it. Instead, I do what I hate. Talking about that struggle that Paul was going through with his own sinful nature. See, remember, we're not only fighting this world system that opposes God. We're not only fighting Satan and his demons who are opposing God. We're fighting our old sinful nature and its desires as well. And there's going to be times when we choose to believe ourselves instead of God. There's going to be times when we choose to believe the temptation of Satan instead of God. There's going to be times where we sin. But this doesn't mean that we have to throw in the towel. Right? This doesn't mean that it's over. This doesn't mean that because we sinned, now we have to walk away from God. You know, during this kind of time when we're feeling guilty for what we've done, Satan is going to be kind of trying to get into our ear and tell us that God has abandoned us. We messed up. He's going to be trying to get into our ears and said that you've done too much. You can't go back to God. He's going to be trying to tell you that you're not good enough for God. But the truth is, what the helmet of salvation does is remind us that We've already been forgiven. If you've put your trust in Jesus Christ, you've already been forgiven. The price for your sin has been paid for. It's been paid for. And now not even Satan can go before God and accuse you of anything. We've been forgiven. Look what it says in Romans and I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. You see, the helmet of salvation is the confidence that we are children of God and we've been forgiven. Now, does this mean that we just go on sinning? No. Remember, we've put on that belt of truth. 
that body armor of righteousness. We're pursuing God and, 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 and trying to apply God's truth to our life. But we're not perfect. We're forgiven. And just because we mess up, we don't stop pursuing God. You see, sin can never deliver a fatal blow to us. We're children of God. First Thessalonians says this, But let us who live in the light be clear-headed, protected by the armor of faith and love, and wearing as a helmet the confidence of our salvation. Now, the last thing that Paul speaks about in the armor of God that we should be wearing is the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. The soldier's offensive weapon, the sword of the Spirit. Have you ever tried um, cutting, using a dull knife? My son and I, a couple of years ago, we actually we got to go out hunting, and, and, he, and he got to um, take his first deer. And so uh, we, you know, dressed it in the field and, and got it back to the camp and hung it up. And we're, we're sitting there trying to skin it. And, and I'm using, you know, everybody takes pride in the knife that they have, right? You know, you pull out that special knife and think you're going to do something good with it. And I'm sitting there struggling trying to skin this deer. And my buddy hands me a sharp knife. Right? I mean, it took half the effort. I mean, it was, it, it was done in, in less than half the time because his knife was sharp. You see, we don't ever have to worry about having a, a dull knife with the Word of God because it is sharp and it's effective. This is what Hebrews 4.12 tells us about it. For the Word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. You see, not only does the Word of God help us, right? Not only does the Word of God kind of help us get rid of those things in our life that aren't honoring to God, the Word of God is actually something that we can use against the enemy. You know, Jesus showed us this in, in Luke chapter 4 when Jesus, before he began his earthly ministry, he went out to the wilderness for 40 days and was, we're told he was tempted by Satan. And after that 40 days, he was, he was hungry and, and Satan came to him. And, and Satan was tempting his flesh. I mean, I don't know about you, but 40 days, I'm going to be real hungry if I haven't eaten. And Satan tempts his flesh and says, turn these rocks into bread and you can eat. And Jesus answered him by quoting the word of God, by speaking the word of God. He tempted them with the desires of his eyes. He showed them the kingdoms of the world and said, these could all be yours. Bow down to me. And Jesus responded by quoting the word of God. Lastly, he tempted them with kind of the, the pride of life, himself, 
holding himself in high esteem, holding his will above God's will. And Jesus quotes the word of God, and Satan left. The word of God is powerful. The question is, do we use it? You see, no matter what temptation we're fighting, quoting the word of God, when we quote the word of God, the spirit swings the sword. The spirit swings the sword. Isaiah says, the earth will shake at the force of his word and one breath from his mouth will destroy the wicked. He will wear righteousness like a belt and truth like an undergarment. The word of God is powerful, but we have to use it. We can only use it if we know it. See, I don't know if this armor that Paul has explained to us was what you were thinking you would be using to fight the spiritual war, but did you notice that all this armor points us to God. All this armor points us and reminds us why we pursue God. Because God fights the war for us. It's his armor. We just wear it. Will you pray with me? Lord, you are worthy. Father, you are righteous and you are holy. And Father, you've provided us everything that we need to fight this spiritual war against evil. And Father, our, our biggest role is to pursue you. And so, Lord, I, I pray that you would, um, Father, that you would ignite that desire in our hearts. Father, that hunger to pursue you, to, to chase after your truth. And Father, I pray that as we do that, you would continue to reveal it to us, reveal your truth to us, empowering us to live it out and helping us grow closer to you. In the name of Jesus, amen.